Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Jiro Quinn, on this 7th of September 2022. Hope everybody out there is enjoying their Labor Day shortened week, even though, you know, sometimes when you have a Monday off, it doesn't feel like a short week. But this week, you know, tomorrow's Thursday. Uh, hope everybody is feeling feeling great out there. Temperature's starting to come down a little bit, so maybe fall is coming along quicker than uh, we may realize, though. Don't tell that to the people in California, though. They feeling that heat. Uh, this podcast, this today's podcast is sponsored by All Calculated Measures, Confidence, Discipline, Consistency. Shout out to my man, Adrian McDonald. He just keeps doing this thing with the clothing. I got a new hat, obstacle, or opportunity. You can see it right here. Uh, you can go to his uh, website, um, his Instagram. Uh, I will put that up on my uh, description of the program. So I'll put that up on my description of at the end of the podcast or or on the YouTube channel. I will put that up. Um, big time show. We had this is not the season premiere, by the way. Just to let everybody know, this is the pre. This is like the pre party. So the season premiere of the 15th year of the Real Deal podcast will be next Wednesday, um, the 14th. I will be joined by one Robert Sapp. Robert Sapp cannot join us this evening, but he will be there for the season premiere. He's all just like just excited to say the least about his Buffalo Bills. Um, you could just I could feel the anticipation of the season as he thinks that this his team and rightfully so so has a legit chance to win the Super Bowl. They are the Super Bowl favorites. Again, I, you hear these just dumbass takes. I heard someone, and I'm not even going to mention their name because they don't even deserve their name mentioned, said that Buffalo is not a amongst Super Bowl, their Super Bowl contenders. Just, just you know, that's that's the thing about our sports culture that just drives me crazy. That's just such a dumbass take. Yeah, you're trying to be different, contrarian, just because. But we, we know Buffalo is one of the three best teams in the, in, in the, uh, in the league. Like, let's, let's be real. Like, come on now. Like, what are we talking about here? Like calling Holly Berry ugly or something? Like, wait, what? Really? Okay. Wait, no, I, I, dig, I digress. Um, we still have a big time program for you. I'm going to be looking at the divisions. I will conclude uh, the previews with the South Southern divisions. I probably should have got this out the way um, last week and did the West last because the, the Western divisions were the best. But we are going to do the South, the NFC and AFC South. Uh, also, we will talk about the theme of this season 15 of the World Real Deal podcast, Transformation. I will please, you will not want to miss that. Um, NFC South team to beat. Obviously, as you've been, if you've been watching these previews, I break these teams up into categories. You have your team to beat, you have the bridesmaids, the 50-50 team, and the team that should be looking ahead to 2023. So without question, in the NFC South, the team to beat are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have uh, are have the second best Super Bowl odds um, behind the Buffalo Bills. They are eleven and a half at eleven and a half over and under in terms of wins. That's the highest in the league. Um, I think tied with the Bills, it might be the highest in the league by themselves. Last year, of course, they were thirteen and four, lost uh, a heartbreaking game to the uh, divisional in the divisional round to the Rams as they almost made that miracle comeback, and they had a lot of help from the Rams. With that, with the Rams, all those turnovers the Rams had, that game should not have been that close. 
to be perfectly honest with you. They have a new, of course, Bruce Arians is out. He wasn't fired, but he kind of was nudged out. We talked about that on a, uh, a couple months ago. Todd Bowles, who was a defensive coordinator, mastermind behind that that defense that took apart Kansas City, uh, that took apart Kansas City, that, but didn't play as well last year, is the new head coach. We'll see how he does with the second time around. Certainly, this will be the best quarterback he's ever had. Um, defensive coordinator, Larry Foote. Um, again, Tampa Bay is loaded with skilled players. You're talking about Mike Evans. We're talking about uh, Godwin, Leonard Fournette. Um, they have all the skilled players from that standpoint. The question is the offensive line. Their offensive line is 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 a like is is a train wreck right now. You have Jensen that's injured, Marpet retired. They only have one starter uh, from last year. Worfs is banged up. He's all full caliber. Of course, you have no. Gronkowski for now. We'll see how long that lasts. He's known for he's known for coming back um during seasons, you know, during the middle of the season. I would not be surprised if he came if he did not come back, say October, November. They lost Jordan Whitehead, Pierre Paul, and Sue. So they got rid of some veteran, some veteran players and trying to replace him with some young with some young talent in the draft and free agency. They do have a still have a great linebacking core with Devin White and Levante David. Uh, secondary with Davis, Murphy Bunny, Wingfield Jr. is very good. Here's the schedule um, in terms of the matchups, in terms of the, uh, here's the, their non-divisional schedule. They're at Dallas, home to Green Bay, home to Kansas City, home to Baltimore, home to the Rams, at Cleveland, at San Francisco, home to Cincy, at Arizona. That's a tough, that's a brutal non-conference schedule. Like, that is a brutal non, excuse me, non-divisional schedule. Even even with a weak division, that's the, and and the Saints are not going to be bad as you we'll, we'll talk about. So best case, I had them twelve and five. They're gonna if Brady is upright, they're going to win a division. Like that division again, that this division is bad. The only there's no there's no threat to them in the division. The only comparable team that's of any competence is the uh, are the New Orleans Saints. Everybody else is just is bad. Everybody else has zero chance to compete with Tampa Bay. Worst case, ten and seven wild card. Best case, 12-5, and they go back to the Super Bowl. Now, I don't think they will win the Super Bowl. I think whoever – I'm thinking probably whoever comes out the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl. So that, that's, my, that's my personal opinion. But I, I do think that they will – they are almost a virtual lock to make the playoffs. Again, I'm – a lot of people – listen, Tampa Bay, it is an enormous advantage to have when you have a division in your pocket. And Green Bay has that. Buffalo has that. Like, that is a big-time advantage to have. Like, those teams, Green Bay, Buffalo, and Tampa Bay are not going to be fighting for their divisions. They're not. If their quarterbacks are healthy, they're not. They're, they're going to cruise, for the most part, to winning a division. In the NFL 17-game season, that's a big-time advantage not to have to go two for nail for your division. Cincinnati and Baltimore are going to be in the bloodbath for that division. Kansas City, that's a, that MC, AFC West is a bloodbath. Okay, even with the Rams, they're gonna go have to go tooth and nail with uh, with San Francisco and also Arizona. So that is a again, I think it's a huge advantage. I'd never dismiss it that you don't have to work as hard uh, during the regular season because your division is not that good and kind of leaves you with some some wiggle room come playoff time. So. 
Tampa Bay will win this division. They'll be amongst the two to three best teams in the conference. They'll be, I think, along with Green Bay and the Rams, along with Green Bay, they'll be the best team in the conference. And don't be surprised if they're again if they're playing the Green Bay Packers or the Rams in a NFC championship. As far as the bridesmaid concerned, the Northern Saints. The Saints have eight and a half. Their over and under was eight and a half. They were nine and eight in twenty twenty one. We know they have they they this is a new look Saints team. The Sean Payton, uh, just a whole new deal. Payton, no Payton, no Breeze. Uh, Dennis Allen's the head coach. Last year, they had a tremendous defense. Look what they did to Green Bay. Look what they did to Tampa Bay twice. They were fourth in defense last year. Uh, they lost to, to Ron Armstrong on the offensive line. Um, now, question is, of course, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston last year before the injury, they were 5-2, and two, and he was actually playing well. They had tailored, uh, hit the offense to the running game. It played through the defense. Um, look at them this year. They have Michael Thomas back. Taysom Hill will be at tight end. Uh, again, I, with Taysom Hill, is at, certain, at, at what point is this like, do you say to yourself, this guy is just not a good football player? Like When you see a guy moving position every, se- every season, they've played him at running back, he's been at quarterback, he's been at uh, not wide receiver, um, well, maybe he hasn't been a wide receiver, but you know he has some wide receiver run, wide receiver type patterns. At some point, he's just he's just not good. Like I don't, I don't know what how many positions can you move him to before you realize he's just not that that dude. They drafted Chris Olave, the big time player out of Ohio State. Jarvis Landry, Kamara still one of the best backs in the league. We know that the offensive line is not going to be what it once was. Like let's be honest, the offensive line. Um, they Bram check is, is all pro caliber. They have some question marks in the, on, on that offensive line, though. That's something to watch out for. Uh, defensively, they are among they will be still amongst to me the best, a legit top five, top 10 defense. You have Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Marcus Davenport, and they add they kind of revamped their secondary with Mayhew and Marcus May. Um, looking at their schedule for non divisional, uh, Minnesota home to Cincinnati at Arizona, um, home to the Raiders. Home to Baltimore, home to the Rams, at the 49ers, uh, at Cleveland, at Philly. I had best case for them, eight and nine, not making the playoffs. Worst case for them, uh, seven and ten. Listen, I think New Orleans is gonna be one of these teams where you don't want to play them. They they're gonna be a tough, uh, tough team to deal with week in and week out. I just don't think they're a playoff team. I don't see enough I don't I'm not in love with the offensive line. And I think it's going to be a situation similar to last year where they don't score enough points, put too much pressure on their defense, and then the defense probably breaks in the fourth quarter and gives up a big run or, or, or a pass play. I think the defense will be, will be top 10, but you know, today's NFL, you have to score points. Um, again, I'm not in love with the offense. I just, the, to me, the way to go for them would be if the offensive line were better, I could see a path where they could possibly make the playoffs. Like, you're telling it to Alvin Kamara in the running game. You can pound, make some plays on the outside. I don't think you can have a pass-led offense. I don't think they're built to be led by the pass or even for it to be 50-50, to be honest with you. I just don't think they're built that way. So I think this will be another transitional year for the Saints as they try to find where they're headed, what direction they're headed in. A lot of people are high on Jameis Winston this year. I'm not as high. Again, I'm a Florida State fan. I saw James, I saw Jameis Winston a lot in college not as high on them as people are coming into this year. Uh, but, I, you know, but, you know, he's a serviceable quarterback. We'll see what happens with that. 
But I do expect, I do think clearly that they are the second best team in the division. The 50-50 team, Carolina. Now, there are some people that are high on Carolina. I'm not one of them. Last year, they were 5-12. and 12. Over and under, in terms of wins, is 6.5. They have a new offensive coordinator, Ben McAdoo. For the life of me, I don't know why anybody why, who watched football for the last three or four years would even touch, or for the last two years, would even touch Ben McAdoo. I, I, don't, I don't understand what, in terms of what he did with the Giants or didn't do. I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't have him nowhere near my football team. I just, I think he, I just don't. Not as a coordinator, not as a head coach, not as a coordinator, not as a quarterback coach. I wouldn't have him nowhere near my team. They get Baker Mayfield. He's a starter. Um, this is a make or break year for Matt Rule. Matt Rule has to win. This has been his fourth year. It's probably he has to get. He probably has to make the playoffs to keep his job. Uh, again, questions for them. Can Can McCaffrey uh, stay on the field? Only played ten games in the last two seasons. Look at their look at some of their weapons on the outside. DJ Moore, nice player. Robbie Aronson, Terrence Marshall have a very good offensive line. They add some pieces. Bozeman and Corbett. Last year, the defense played well. We know what Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, and Dante Jackson bring to the table, but that's not going to be a, that. That certainly won't be enough to make up for what they uh, don't have offensively. Uh, looking at their schedule, they are they host Cleveland opening weekend. Opening day, um, they have Arizona, 49ers, at the Rams, at Cincinnati, at Baltimore, and host Denver. I had them best case 6-11 and and worst case 5-12. and These are one of these teams that just to me will be decent defensively but will not be able to score enough points. And again, if we've seen enough out of McCaffrey, we know that he's going to end up getting hurt again. Like this, let's just be honest, along with Saquon Barkley. Again, we don't wish it upon anybody, but listen, just look at the track record. Like guys don't get they don't if you're an injury prone player as you get older you don't start getting healthy all of a sudden especially in football it just does it just doesn't happen so at that position at, at the running back position especially so i don't trust the offense baker mayfield think about this if baker mayfield was inconsistent with a top offensive line a great running game what is he going to be with this offensive line or i mean with this run with this what is he going to be with the, with this offense? It's not. It is not a very good offense. The strength of their team is that defense. That's the strength of their team. So and again, I'm not one who hates Baker Mayfield or who thinks Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is a starter, is legit, is a starting NFL quarterback. Just don't think that he's that dude. Like he can't. He's not going to make other people better. So this team, best case six and eleven, I might be kind with that. Worst case, this team is five and twelve. Either way, they're not making the playoffs. Uh, and then you could add, you could easily have put them for Team 2023 as well, but 50-50, maybe Baker has a breakout year. Maybe McCaffrey, if McCaffrey stays healthy, so that's why I had him as the 50-50 team. Team 2023, this team is in complete rebuilding, doing it the, in the rebuilding, even though they, nobody's going to admit that. You know, they don't say that in football. They don't use that term tanking in football because no coach wants losses on his record. But it has to be, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. The Julio Jones, Matt Ryan era, Devontae Freeman, those days are long gone. And again, this is a franchise, and this is how devastating Super Bowl losses can be. 28-3, January 2017, 28-3. That team should had a Super Bowl championship, and their future would have looked you know, a whole lot different. They have not recovered from that. From that. They were 7-10 in 2020 and last year. They were four and a half. Get there over under is four and a half. Okay, 
one of the lowest in the league. They had Marcus Mariota as a starting quarterback. He's a stopgap until they find a guy in the draft, whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Uh, good running game. Cordell Patterson had a good year last year. Damian Williams, uh, we know he can play. Kyle Pitts is their best player, offensive player. Might be the best player, period. Ridley, of course, is suspended for a year. Uh, that's a huge loss, but it wouldn't have made a difference from the standpoint of where they're going. Defensive line, you still have Grady Jarrett. They got some picks. Uh, Casey Hayward Jr. is upgrade in the in the uh, court in the uh, secondary, and AJ Terrell is a very good player. But the bottom line is this team is this team is going nowhere. This team is a three and fourteen, four and thirteen type team. This team will I don't may listen. They might win a couple games in the division because the division is bad. They might sneak up on a Carolina or a New Orleans. They win one of those games like that. But they this team is absolutely going um going nowhere uh they are complete they 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 won't publicly admit this but they want to be in a position to get the number one draft at least a top two a top three draft pick this is supposed to be a very good quarterback draft so they want a top two the to top three pick so they can get their hopefully in their eyes their future uh franchise quarterback so you have um tampa bay team to beat without question um, you have as Timberley will be the team to be in this division and will be a legit Super Bowl contender. You have uh, New Orleans at the Bryce Maze and Carolina in Atlanta. Again, this is not your, your your father's AFC South. Those days where you had used to have those wars where Atlanta and New Orleans and Carolina would be tough, and even Tampa when they were you know bringing up the rear were still. You know, uh, eight, eight, seven, and nine type team, type, uh, type team. This division is a bad division. It's one of the worst in the league. Not NFC East bad, but or maybe not even AFC South bad, but still, it's one of the worst, the worst divisions in the league. And the big, the big story in this division is can Tom Brady get back, get Tampa Bay back, uh, to another Super Bowl? All right, we're gonna shift some gears right now, um, and discuss what was a just a perfect cap to the NBA summer. We'll get back to it and we'll, we'll preview the AFC South a little later on. Uh, of course, you had Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland. Um, going to Cleveland. So Mitchell goes to Cleveland. Utah gets the 25, 27, 29 unprotected first, 26, 28 pick swaps, along with Lori Marketing. Uh, along with Lori Marketing. A um, couple things about this. Number one, great for Cleveland. I'm I'm happy for Cleveland. That franchise has been an embarrassment out for the most part when LeBron James has not been a part of it. That is no longer the case. They have moved they have moved along from that era to where they're dependent on LeBron James being that dude. They have I, I love their team. Um before I get before I get to the uh Cleveland aspect of, of this, I gotta go I have to talk about the Knicks. And listen, I root for I root for a bad franchise too. Lakers are a joke, but they're not the Knicks. Like at least the Lakers have two championships in the last eleven years. The Knicks haven't won a championship since what seventy three? Yeah, seventy three. Um, and I just feel horrible for their fans. I do. I generally do. To be a Knicks fan is like torture to the soul. And they they that fan base is loyal. And they deserve better. How? if you're the Knicks that you don't land Donovan Mitchell is I know why it didn't happen, but it still should have happened. Like you couldn't have more things going for you 
than what the Knicks had going for them. You had a guy who's under contract for three to four years, I think four years, right? You had a guy, a New Yorker, who wanted to be there, right? You have, and I'm looking at this, seven draft picks in the next four years, first-round picks, along with some pick swaps. You had young assets, right? You didn't even have to trade R.J. Barrett. They didn't, Utah didn't even want R.J. Barrett because they don't want to pick up any major big contracts. They're trying to unload money. They just want assets, picks, things of that nature. They don't, like, they're, they're going to move everybody. Boganovich, like, they're, they are in total just tear down, strip it bare mode. So you didn't even have to give R.J. Barrett, right? You had everything going for you to make this deal. And Quentin Grimes... Was 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 a sticking point? Quentin Grimes, who averaged six points and two rebounds last year. That's the that's that that is what the Nick fan deals with on a daily basis. That type of shit. Quentin Grimes. That's number one. The second part is, you know, there were some reports saying, well, the Knicks were bidding against themselves. They thought that they were bidding against themselves, and they didn't think that anybody would try to go any other team would try to go after uh Donovan Mitchell. Need some water. Again, I can only imagine being a, a Knicks fan. I couldn't be a Knicks fan. I would have got rid of a long time ago. I would just switch teams. I, I just would have left. How could you not anticipate another team going after a player who's 25 years old and is one of the top 20, 25 players in the league. All-NBA caliber player, perennial all-star, has had some great playoff moments and has, has had some shaky ones, but he's still a young player. How could you anticipate someone not, another team not having an interest in, in that guy? You, They really believe that they were the only, the only team that had an interest in Donovan Mitchell? What? Everybody knew. Listen, once Gobert got traded from Utah, everybody knew Cleveland, uh, Utah, what, what time it was in Utah. Everybody knew. Everybody has watched Danny Ainge move over the course of his career. Yeah, when Gobert was when Gobert got traded, it was only a matter of time before uh before Donovan Mitchell was traded. A matter of time. Not even like we we would have. I would have bet any amount of money that it was going. To, it was going to be before the season. If it wasn't going to be during before the season, it would have been uh, during the All Star break, if not before that. But Donovan Mitchell was gone once Gobert got traded. So it, again, if you're the New York Knicks, how could you even fathom that another team would not have interest? I don't get it. I get it, but I don't get it. I, just all right. That's 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 enough with the Knicks. I, I can't do no more with the Knicks. So, um. As far as Cleveland, right? So Cleveland's, Cleveland has a foursome. Mitchell, Mobley, Garland, and Jared Allen, right? Jared Allen is your fourth best player. Here's the question I pose for you. You have a choice between these three young teams that all, that all two of them made big major moves this offseason in Minnesota and Cleveland. We, are, we already know what Memphis is. You can have... One of these teams for the next five years. Which one of these teams is going to win a championship? Would, would you bet on to win a championship first? Cleveland, Minnesota, or Memphis? Now, I think Cleveland has the best upside in terms of the roster because I think Mobley has some Tim Duncan. <coughs> excuse me. I think Mobley has some Tim Duncan. Um, 
type ability, to be honest with you. I think Moby has some dance, that type of skill set. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Tim Duncan or be a. I, I, I think Moby's going to be a top player in this league, an MVP type of caliber player, a top 10 player, top five. I, I, I love Mobley. I think Mobley's going to be that, that dude. I think they have the best upside. I think Minnesota, pound for pound, probably might have the best talent. But in terms of a championship, I think Memphis would be my team to be my pick to win a championship out of those three teams. The thing about Cleveland is they're in the East. If you're in the East, you're dealing with Giannis and Boston for the next five, five years, minimum, minimum. So the West is a little bit in, in, you know, in flux. I don't know what the Clippers are going to do this year. Everybody loves the Clippers. I don't know if those guys can stay healthy. Forget about the Lakers. You know, Phoenix, eh, 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 eh. they'll be, they'll make the playoffs. But I, I, the West is not, the West is okay. It's not great. So I, I, I mean, we tell me Golden State is the favorite until, until proven otherwise. But they, this is not, they're not dominant. This is not a dominant Golden State team. This is not twenty. This is not Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, in their prime. Clay Thompson, Golden State. They can be, they can be got. So, I would say the Memphis Grizzlies are my my choice out of those three teams: Minnesota, Cleveland, and. Uh, Memphis, out of those three teams to win a championship would be the if I had to bet on to win a championship first. But again, exciting time for the NBA. You, I cannot wait till the NBA season to start. One of the most anticipated seasons to me. There's so much young talent in the league. Um, I know, listen, I know the NBA has some issues with players uh, missing games. They got some stuff that they need to clean up, but the talent is undeniable. The talent is undeniable. The level of play to me. When it's right, is undeniable. I love, I, I love the NBA. I love the, what, I love where the NBA is at from that standpoint. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, come see, you know, comes uh, come October. But um, great job for Cleveland. Great, great for Cleveland. Great. I, I couldn't be again. I could not be happier for that for that city for that franchise. They deserve. Uh, uh, they deserve what they got got from the from that standpoint. Give the organization a lot of credit for pulling that deal off. And again, the Knicks, they're the Knicks. All right, let me get back to the AFC South here uh, to our NFL preview. We're going to conclude our NFL preview. Of course, next week is season 15 of the Real Deal podcast. Man, 15 years, 2008. Think about how different the world was in 2008. Like, yeah, this, you know, I mean, Obama wasn't even president. He was about to be a president, but it's just, a, it's, Seems like it was thirty or forty years ago, but we are up, we are coming upon season uh, fifteen of the World Deal Podcast. As you see, got some legacy T-shirts in the back. Uh, the snowfall. You got got my nephew back there. Shout out to him. Um, he's doing his thing. About to be a graduate, and uh, we got some more shirts coming um, coming very soon. AFC South team to beat the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Last year, Indianapolis lost a number of close games. Um, they were nine and eight last year. They should have made the playoffs. They had a they were a quarterback away from making the playoffs. That's why they got rid of Carson Wentz. They lost, uh, of course, lost that embarrassing um, season finale to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which made Jacksonville season twelfth best Super Bowl odds. Think about that. They have an over under at nine and a half, but yet they had the twelfth best Super Bowl odds in the whole league. So a lot of people are high on Indianapolis. Foles is the backup where he needs to be. Per- like. 
it doesn't hurt to have a Super Bowl MVP as your backup, and he's a we've seen him in that position. Of course, uh, Carson Wentz was replaced by Matt Foles, excuse me, by Matt Ryan. Um, they picked up Stephen Gilmore and Yannick Nagate, Nagaku. Uh, sorry if I butchered that, but there's a as a pass rusher, pass rusher. Jonathan Taylor is one of the top running backs in the league. They have a legit top five offensive line, if healthy, with Nelson and Leonard. Quentin Nelson is one of the best offensive linemen in the game. Receivers a little suspect. Uh, Pittman, Paris Campbell, not exactly, you know, Rice and Taylor, but, you know, Pittman's, Pittman's decent. Um, defensively, they have stars all over the place. Darius Leonard, one of the best defense players in the league. DeForest Buckner is a beast. They added Ste- Stephen Gilmore, who was a uh, defensive player a year at one point. Not what he used to be, but still very good. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier, they lost five one-score games. to get Five one-score games. This team should have been made the playoffs. Looking at their schedule, they host Kansas City at Denver, at New England, their non-divisional schedule. Um, at Vegas, host Philly. At Dallas, at Minnesota, host the Chargers. I had them best case 11-6, worst case making 11-6, losing a divisional. Worst case, 10-7 wild card. This will be a playoff team. This will be a playoff team. I think my, Matt Ryan is an upgrade from uh, Wentz. He, does, he will not turn on the ball as much. I think they will tailor their offense to their running game. They're, Indianapolis is a team, and Sap talked about this last week, right? There are teams that are under the radar in terms of you don't want to see in the playoffs if they make it because they are a matchup night with nightmare. Indianapolis is 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 that team because they know who they are. They they're gonna punch you in the mouth, pound the ball, and really take it to you offensively and defensively. Their offensive and defensive lines are amongst the best in the league. Any team that can hurt you at the point of attack is something to be reckon is something to be reckoned with. And they know who they are. A lot of teams get out there, try to play, play themselves, try to make themselves out to be passing teams. They're not passing teams, and they get they get embarrassed, and coaches get fired. This team knows who it is, and I think they will have a very a, a bounce back season. I think that they're going to win this division uh, along, you know, battle two Tennessee two for nail, and I think they will be a tough out, and I mean tough out in the playoffs. I like Matt Ryan. I like the veteran quarterback who's kind of been written off who was in an impossible spot last year with Atlanta. That team, team had no chance. Team had no chance. I, I think Matt Ryan has a little bit left in the, in, the, in the gas tank. Now, we know he's not the MVP that he was in 2016. Those days are gone, but he doesn't have to be. All he has to do is make a couple plays and hand the ball off. That's it. And don't turn over the ball. Just be, be a game. He could be just, just be a game manager, and they'll be fine. Bridesmaid, the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee lost a, a, a brutal game, tough, bitter loss to the Cincinnati Bengals on, at home. They've made a habit of losing home games in the playoffs over the course of that, that franchise's history. They are nine and a half over and under, had the 18th best Super Bowl odds. So that means not a lot of people, not a lot of people are high on Tennessee. Now, don't dismiss Tennessee. Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the league. Six straight winning seasons, three straight playoff appearances. Do not dismiss that kind of consistency in the NFL. It's not the NBA. It's not easy to make the playoffs, even though you have an extra team. They have a great culture. Their coach knows what the hell he's doing. He does. And he's 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 very good coach. He's a tremendous coach. I have a lot of respect for Rabel, the culture. 
similar to, to Indianapolis, they know who they are. We're going to run this football, play some tough defense. Our quarterback, not allow our quarterback to make a ton of mistakes, and we'll see what happens. Drafted Malik Willis, I don't care about that because he will not play. As long as Tannehill is upright, Malik Willis will not see the field this year. Uh, Ryan Tannehill had 14 interceptions last year. You know why he had 14 interceptions? Because he threw the ball over 500 times. You want Tannehill in between, say, 450 to 480 passes. You get since that 500 boat, that 500 range is trouble. That's 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 it. This is a run. This is a running team, a run based offense. Period. Their pass protection is not very good. They when they run block, they ball you. Uh, they traded AJ Brown to Philadelphia, drafted Traylon Burks, added Robert Woods. I like him when he's healthy. Uh, he's one of the best blocking backs in the league, best blocking receivers in the league. Derrick Henry, great player. Had, was was on his way last year. Has was having an MVP caliber season. Nine, only yeah, twenty seven years old. That's old for a running back. That's not the same as most positions for a running back. That you're starting to get, you're starting to, you know, the knees are getting a little creaky. Nine hundred carries in three years. Keep that in mind, especially my fancy owners. Keep that in mind about Derrick Henry, and he does not dodge tackles. This guy, one of the most probably the, one of the most physical running backs, dual like he takes hits and gives hits. I keep your eyes on Derrick Henry. He could be at that position, at that stage in his career where he can't avoid injuries. That's a lot of carries in three years, nine hundred. That's a big number, especially in twenty in, in, in this day and age, with with this being a basic, basically a passing league. Uh, add Austin Hooper. He's a solid tight end. Uh, we talked about the run, the, the, the offensive line being a run oriented, decent, uh, below average pass blocking. They're not made for pass blocking. Jeffrey Simmons, Nico Autry. Kevin Bard, and they added Bud Dupree, which I, is a great pickup. Their defense will be fine. They had, and Vrabel is a defensive coach. Their defense will be fine. I'm not worried about their defense at all. I'm worried about I'm worried about the, their ability to run the ball with a running back with that many carries, and you don't want to put the ball in 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 uh in uh Ryan Tannehill's hands and say winners games. That's not not how they're going to win. That's not how they've been successful over the last couple of years with the three straight playoff appearances. And remember, a couple of years ago, they they made it to the conference championship, losing to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the 2020 season. Look at their schedule, uh, non-divisional at Buffalo. They always get the Bills problems. They just have they uh, match up nightmare for the Bills for whatever, you know for what because of their run that running attack. And no, and frankly, have had a, did an excellent job of defending the Bills. Uh, home to Vegas at Kansas City, home to Denver at Green Bay, home to Cincinnati at Philadelphia at the Rams. Home to Dallas. It's a brutal, that's a brutal, brutal non-divisional schedule. I mean, think, think about think about it. You have Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay. No, think about the teams that think they can either get to or win the Super Bowl here. Buffalo, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams on that list legitimately might have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Seven. Okay. Seven, even though the division is weak, that is that's 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 tough. Nine, that's tough. That's a tough non-divisional schedule. Uh, best case, I had them ten and seven, making a wild card. Nine and eight, missing the playoffs. I could easily see them missing the playoffs. I would not be surprised they missed the playoffs because if you tell me Derrick Henry again is not the same player with the injuries, and you have to count on Ryan Tannehill, the defense not being able to hold up because because of the because of the, uh, the lack of a running game. Uh, 
Wouldn't be so, I, you know, it, they, they're due to have a, 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 a poor year. They've had like six straight years. They've been nine and seven, six, at least they've been nine and seven or better six straight years. They've been a very consistent franchise. So, you know, if they go nine and eight or eight and nine, would I be shocked? Nah, probably no, not really. Not really. If you maybe had to make a choice, I probably would lean towards them making the playoffs because of the coach and the culture. 50-50 team, I could have picked them for 2023, but, you know, the next team I had is, is certainly 2023. Jacksonville. Jacksonville was 3-14 in 2021, six and a half over and under. So people think they'll be a little they'll they're gonna be better because of the quarterback in his second in, being his second year. They got it, they bring in a professional head coach, a Super Bowl winning coach, even though we don't give him as much credit as we do most Super Bowl coaches, head Super Bowl winning coaches in Doug Peterson. Um, again, this is all about Trevor Lawrence's development. Uh, he'll be in year number two. Um, they added Christian Kirk, solid receiver. Travis Etienne Jr., uh, they hope to get big things out of him. Marvin Jones Jr., eh. Defensively, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, they drafted a lot in the defense as well. O-line, Brandon Sheriff, we know him from, 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 from his time in Washington. He, when healthy, is an all-pro caliber. That will help the offensive line immensely. And they drafted, again, they drafted, they, they went heavy defense. Um, looking at their schedule, at the Chargers, at Philly, home to Denver, home to Vegas, at Kansas City, home to Baltimore, uh, home to Dallas. Um, I had them best case five and twelve, worst case three and fourteen. Here's here's the thing: they're gonna have a horrible season. But their franchise, first of all, it can't get any worse than last year. It really can't. Last year they were as dysfunctional as any franchise in season that I've seen in, in a long time. I mean, I've seen some bad ones. The 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 Urban Meyer disaster, the Urban Meyer experiment was couldn't it went as poorly, went as bad as, as you could. I didn't think it was going to work to begin with, but I, I didn't think it was going to be just a, a dumpster fire. It was a shit show. He has no business coaching on at at the at the pro level. I don't I don't want him as a coordinator. Maybe he can be somebody that can give teach you know some spread offense techniques, things like that, that nature. But I wouldn't want Irvin Meyer near my franchise in any capacity as in terms of the NFL as far as coaching wise. I'm sorry, advisor, but no, he's a college coach. He's an all time great college coach, all time great. He's not a head coach. He's not a football. He's not an NFL coach. So Doug Peterson is a major upgrade. I'm not I'm not in love with Doug Peterson as a head coach, but he's serviceable. He's fine. He, you know, he falls in that Mike McCarthy kind of deal, Super Bowl coach, but not great type deal. Um, they have a, they have an adult in the room in terms of coaching. Again, it's not about wins and losses. It is about the development of Trevor Lawrence. I still think I think Trevor Lawrence can be a franchise caliber quarterback now. Transcendent generational. Let's hold the brakes on that. Let's pause on that. Franchise, yes. And he played a little better at the end of the season. Um, he had no chance last year. This roster is not a talented roster. They have a lot of holes to fill. They will see if they hit on some of these draft picks, but they they even with that said, they have a lot of holes to fill. They are two year legitimately two years away. Two years. So the idea for Jacksonville is to develop the quarterback with great habits and put him in a position to where he doesn't get the shit kicked out of him to where he we don't start having his confidence being chipped away because he's getting balled every other play. So again, I I, I see like I said, best case five and twelve, because the division's so bad. 
Worst case, three and fourteen. It, they'll probably be somewhere four. They'll probably be four and thirteen, three and fourteen again. I don't. Five wins is even hard. I find it even hard to come by. Um, the twenty twenty three team and frankly one of the worst teams in the league uh, is the Houston Texans. Houston Texans four and thirteen last year. They bought in Lovey Smith. We know Lovey Smith took the Bears to the Super Bowl, but has not had any success really since that. Even going back to college, he was bad. Uh, with uh, his time in with Illinois. Uh, David Mills is the quarterback, second year. He had a, a very good, pretty good rookie year, but I don't know how serious I can take that considering how bad the team was. 16 and 10, 66 completion percent is really numbers that not impact winning at all. They, again, are a very internally dysfunctional franchise with everything that's going on with the owner, trusting people that are non-football people making decisions. They they have, they, that they are a shit show within themselves. And this is, this is even past Deshaun Watson. Forget about Deshaun Watson ordeal. They just they're not they they are not a well run organization. One of the worst in the league. Um, some weapons on the a couple weapons on the outside. Brandon Cooks, if he can stay healthy, still is a, a decent player. Yeah, Nico Collins, huh. running backs Damian Pierce, Rex, Rex Buckhead. Um, okay, defensively, Dal Stingley Jr. has a chance to be a very good player. Um, they went heavy defense in the draft. Looking at looking at their non divisional schedule. At Denver, home to the Chargers, at Vegas, Tennessee, home to Tennessee, home to Philly, at Miami, home to Cleveland, at Dallas, home to Kansas City. I had best case four and thirteen, worst case three and fourteen. Listen, they are horrible. They are a they are one of the worst three or four worst teams in the league. They will be in the mix for the number one pick. It will be in the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or whoever quarterback, whatever quarterback emerges that I haven't mentioned next spring uh, in the spring, in 2023 draft. This is a bad team. This is a bad franchise. They have not recovered from – they have not recovered at all from trading DeAndre Hopkins and how that, how that unfolded. Um, they just are – are in a pro they are in the rebuilding process, retooling, rebuilding, re I say reloading, but they they're one of the worst teams in the league. Um, so I don't have any real expectations of them, um, uh, whatsoever. I don't. Um, again, if you think Davis Mills is your guy, obviously, I don't even like, yeah, I can say, well, developing the quarterback, I don't, I haven't seen enough out of Davis Mills to say I feel like he has franchise potential. Like if see if you're in a position to draft CJ Stroud or or uh Bryce Young, then you're taking that guy. Like I'm sorry. Davis Mills, I don't put him in that Trevor Lawrence in that vein as a core. Yeah, this is our franchise quarterback. Let's see, let's let's just build around him. No. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe this year he can shock me and I could be dead wrong, but as of right now, they are looking for their next quarterback in the draft. I don't think their future quarter I don't think that their future quarterback is on that roster. So I think Indianapolis and Tennessee will, will battle for the division, go down probably to the last week. And those other two teams are, are in essence, playing for 2023. Again, the team to watch, to, to play the team to watch to me in this division, besides the obvious with Indianapolis, is, is Jacksonville because I want to see what Trevor Lawrence brings in year two. I think he has a chance to be a very good player. I still think he still high on him as a franchise caliber player in terms of potential. Uh, that is that that's kind of like the team I will be looking at uh, more, looking at someone besides the, the top two in, in this division. So 
we had really the unofficial first week of college football. I know week, week zero doesn't count to me. I don't, I don't, I didn't care about week zero. And, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, the two best teams are still Georgia, Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, wherever you want to put, however you want to put, whichever order you want to put them in, it doesn't matter to me. Those teams, until further notice, will be playing in the national championship game if, if, if their quarterbacks stay healthy. The Georgia performance was by far the best performance. I don't think it's even close. Oregon is not that bad. Like, that, that game was not about what Oregon is not. That game was about Georgia. That is a team that is, that is for themselves, comp from a competent standpoint, um, after winning a championship. That load has been taken off. That burden of not winning a championship, of being great program, not winning a big one, is gone. They played with a freeness. They played the quarterback is going to be in the mix. And I don't think he's a great, I don't think he's a great pro prospect. Let me say that. But he will be in the mix for a Heisman Trophy, period. He will be, he will be amongst that in that conversation. Um, they have athletes all over the place, speed all over the place. They toyed with Oregon. I'm telling you, Oregon is not a bad team. Oregon, <laughs> here's the thing. It was funny how the 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 uh the pollsters overreacted because they they not they dropped Oregon completely out of the top twenty. I'm like top twenty five. I'm like, yo, what? Look who look look who they lost to. Those, that team might be the best team in college football. Like like I I wouldn't I would have dropped them to like maybe in the twenties. I wouldn't drop them out. Uh, but anyway, Oregon will be fine. If you're an Oregon fan, do not panic. You lost to a a, you lost to in essence a pro football team. That team had that team might ship out. They might have fifteen pros on this year's coming off this year's team. That team is loaded, loaded, and offensively they're better. They don't even have to be great defensively. Like last year, they were they their defense was insane. Their defense doesn't even have to be as good because the offense is much better. So Georgia, to me, the, the big the big the big deal in in college football this week was the fact that Georgia has replaced Clemson as the team that now looks Alabama eye-to-eye. Like, Georgia can say, like, what's up? We beat you. We don't fear you. What up? We can match you athlete for athlete. We can match you recruit for recruit. Kirby Smart, you know, did his thing in the national championship game. They don't they're, – they're not they're, – that Alabama ghost is done. That, that shit is over. So they, we saw Clemson had the, that had that four year stretch where they looked Alabama in the face, beat them in a championship, beat them in a couple championships, uh, and you know uh, Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. Now Georgia has taken that place. Nor, listen, this Nordame held Nordame um, represented itself well against Ohio State. I was not impressed by C.J. Stroud at all. Uh, I. Like now, I'm not going to react to Ohio State not being that good. I think the Notre Dame defense is very good. Give their give Freeman and uh, the coaching staff a tremendous amount of credit. They had Ohio State confused, holding Ohio State to 21 points. That is an offense that's going to put 40 to 50 on the board week in and week out. That's just a tremendous job by by the Ohio State by the Notre Dame defense. Um, cause I, I mean, I was on Twitter and we were like, you know, same old Notre Dame can't beat big teams. Like whoa. whoa. The game was at Ohio State. They were not supposed to win that game. They were 17 and a half point underdogs in that game. 17 and a half points. So they Notre Dame played well. Notre Dame will be a top 10. They will be in that 7 to 10 range. They'll play in the New Year's Day Bowl. Listen, we Notre Dame is not on par with Georgia, Alabama. They're not on that those teams level. Even Clemson, those teams, those top three, top five, some of those high, those, those um top SEC teams, they're not as good as those teams. Period. It's not. It's just all there is to it. 
So I don't hold Notre Dame to that expectation. I think people get caught up in, you know, the Duke Rodney and the Gipper and all that stuff. That day, those days are done. Lou Holtz, you know, with Tony Rice and all that. Yeah, Tim Brown, that that's over with. They get very, very good players. They get some blue chippers. They're going to be, like, they're going to play on January 1st. They might make an occasional playoff. But ultimately, they're going to fall to one of these top teams in the SEC or, or somebody like Ohio State. That's it. That's where Notre Dame is at. So, you know, that's that. So, um, there you go. That's week one of college football. Good, certainly good to have the college football back. Florida State, LSU. As a Florida State fan, I'm not ready, ready to go crazy and say Florida State is back. Let's, let me calm down on that. I was more unimpressed with how far LSU has fallen. Like, you lose basically, in essence, a home game to Florida State, a program, a program that's still trying to find itself. Like, this is not Bobby Bowen's Florida State or Jimbo Fisher's Florida State Seminoles here. They're, 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 now, they're, made, they're improved. They go out there and fight and are competent, but there's no way that, L, on the, that LSU should have lost that game, period. There's no way. Florida State really dominated the game, to be honest with you. Should, they, they had to make mistakes for LSU to even have a chance. And then you get a, a you get two, you fumble two punts and get a, a extra point block, which you know not a not a way that Brian Kelly wanted to start his tenure off uh, at LSU. Uh, they don't have a lot of patience with that program. That's that's that is a blue blood program. They expect to win championships. They expect to compete for championships, and they're still getting top players at LSU. Like LSU has way has way more talent than Florida State. Period. It's not even close. But you know that's where they're at. Um, who in terms of who won the week? We're gonna to shift to who won the week. By the way, you want to say, you want to ask who was the most disappointed, the biggest disappointment? That was that would be the New York Knicks. But we already talked we already talked enough about the Knicks. We're gonna leave leave the Knickerbockers alone. They have a whole NBA season of buffoonery and embarrassment. But I do like R.J. Barrett though. I think he's gonna have a, a nice year. Um, in terms of who won the week, I have to go in my sentimental bag and. And go with Serena Williams. Serena Williams, of course, she lost in the third round of the U.S. Open in, in uh, three sets. Uh, she had the tremendous moment beating the number two ranked player in the second round. We thought that she might make a run, but she's, 40, she's 41 years old. She's a mother. Her best days are clearly behind her. And, and she, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's not like I'm not, it's not a knock of Serena Williams. She is one of the great, forget about tennis players of all time, she's one of the great athletes. Of all time, um, I you know, you think about her career, right? I remember watching Serena Williams play. You know, when Serena Williams won her first major in nineteen ninety nine, the nineteen ninety nine U.S. Open. I was in my college dorm, Park Mall. Shout out to Cobb Park Mall. Shout out to Temple University, Park Mall. The year it first opened, got a brand, got into a brand new dorm. The year it first opened, on my thirteen inch television, watching her win that match at 17 years old. She had the beads in her hair. She won her first major before Serena, before Venus. But then Venus had a stretch where she took over the sport for about two or three years, and then Serena became Serena. And, you know, in essence, became the GOAT. Um, to be on, to be near or at the top of the sport for the better part of two decades, uh, we you see all the credit that Tom Brady gets. But I I like to do it at in tennis to me is even more difficult because you're talking about a situation where you tennis players don't age well. 
Like you, what, again, what you see in Federer, what you saw, what you see, what you saw, see how Federer, Nadal, Djokovic will never be done again as they won majors into their thirties, some even their mid thirties. Serena Williams winning majors, dominating the sport for the better part, basically fifteen years. I know the last five years haven't been great, but basically she dominated the sport. She was on top basically for like fifteen years, ten to fifteen years. Uh, you're not you're not gonna see this ever again. You will never see. There will never be another Serena Williams. The style. Um, you have to give all the credit in the world to her parents. You know, Richard Williams held her out of tournaments. People thought he was nuts. And then you see all these players, these young players, Jennifer Capriati's in the world, get burnt out by basically twenty five or even younger. And it's like, yep, this is why he he knew he knew what the hell he was doing, and. She's done it. She did it her way. She did it her way. She didn't comp- Look at, she's had some moments that, that you know, she, that she shouldn't be proud of. She's a human being. It happens to the best of us. But her style, her just, she has transcended a sport. She, she did, she's done for tennis what Tiger Woods has done in terms of with golf. Like, she has had, she got nine golf nine tennis people start to watch tennis like tiger woods brought in a nine golf people nine golf people watching golf not just a casual golfer nine people people who didn't watch golf started watching tiger woods after he started to dominate that's what she did for tennis and listen as far as the combination of longevity winning transcendence she's she is the goat she's there's not been a more impactful tennis player ever now I would include A and the men, Federer, all those guys. They don't in, they didn't impact the sport the way Serena Williams did, her impact on the sport. Like it just no, it's just not you the style, the uh again, she transcended the sport. When you transcend some Tiger Woods transcended golf, it's a different so we're talking another level. Michael Jordan, like that, that is Muhammad Ali, um in a male dominated sport, that's that's next level. And be honest with you, despite the greatness of Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, Serena has been the one that has been the must-see television over the last decade. She's been the biggest draw in the sport. Like it's been like, oh, is Serena on? Oh, we got about Serena, especially domestically, because they have because those guys, as great as those players are, those are three goats: Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. They're not. They are not American, so they they don't carry the same weight in this country. Uh, as they do overseas, period. I mean, and, and of course, it, they're not American. That's just how it is. But there will never be a Serena, a Serena Williams, period. Um, she left the door open um, in terms of that she might come, that you know she played better than expected, maybe more than likely. But I, I think it's a wrap. I, I think that you, she's going out like the way she, she went out like the way she should have went out, you know, in a sense. At the U.S. Open, she gets her flowers. We saw Andre Agassi go out similar two thousand six. Uh, after twenty years, and she, you know, they gave her flowers, and uh, certainly have you know wanted her to go all the way. But it's forty one years old. Like, yeah, like the tennis does not. Tennis is a young person sport for the most part, and uh, she's done everything and then some that you can that you can do in the sport. And again, not just one of the defining tennis players of all time. One of the defining athletes of our time or of any time for that matter 
So we are coming upon a uh, year 15 in the Real Deal podcast. Certainly appreciate all the support over the past 15 years. We debuted 10-8-2008. We've done, this is show 846. So next week will be 847. Um, And uh, it's been been a hell of a ride um the theme and i put it on a couple t-shirts and you'll see this and you know you follow me on certain social media issues social media transformation and you know it right now i'm in the midst of a personal transformation to be honest with you and you say well what brought about this Eh, you just I, i don't if I want to say age, person, I don't know if it's, if it's I don't know if it's if it's just age. I think that's that's an easy cop out to say, you know, you get older, so and then midlife crisis. No, no, I'm good. But you know, when you when you sit around, you know, I've been on this whole evolution, adapt, you know, adapt or die, and all this shit for the past couple of years, talking, talking, just talking, talking. But finally, got to a point to where it was like. What does that look like for me to transform into something else and become something else and kind of uh, get rid of parts of myself that no longer serve me? What does that look like? And I'll be honest with you, it has been the mo- at times the most rewarding. It could be at times the most rewarding, but it's also been at times the most painful because if you really want to go through a personal transformation, there are parts of yourself that you have to get rid of and you have to be intentional about it. Some people go through life saying, you know what, I'm good. Uh, I'm just going to ride this out, happy with who I am and keep it moving. If you do that, then that's on you. I don't like, I don't begrudge anybody. Um, you got to make sure we have, we are human beings. We are, we have to make our own choices. This is something that's necessary for me. This is something that to me is even bigger than me. Not, I'm not going to be the same person a month from now, two months from now, God willing, a year from now. This is not going to happen. I'm moving different in all aspects of my life. And I mean every single aspect of my life. I'm moving different. And it's been uncomfortable. And it's been, and but I embrace that. Like I said, you cannot be somebody who's, who puts on, puts a shirt, puts on a shirt, be a disruptor or or puts on a shirt, you know, evolution and all this other stuff, and you don't do it with it. Got a lot of people out there who sell wolf tickets, talk to talk about what somebody else is not doing or what somebody else needs to do, but when you come to find out, they're not doing the work on themselves. You got to do the work on yourself in an intentional way, and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I feel like it's going to be, I know that it's going to be rewarding for me. I really do. So this podcast, I, I I am just beyond excited for the future of this podcast as I transform and evolve as a human being. We got things lined up that's coming that I can't mention, you know, some things that are in motion uh, that we will uh, delve, into, delve into later on. And you'll see uh, as the years, excuse me, as the months and hope the years go by. But again, I appreciate all the support. Um, I'm looking forward to another season, season one five fifteen 
of the Real Deal podcast. This podcast will be up um, early tomorrow, early tomorrow morning. Enjoy the rest of your evening. See you next time.